Welcome to Mountain Meister, the podcast that features some of the most incredible athletes who push the extremes of human endurance. You know, I got to 27 years old and I was 340 pounds, completely, completely inactive. Wait, what? Is this the right guy? I know it's ridiculous, but what if I tried to run a 100-mile ultramarathon? Now that's more like it. Welcome to Mountain Meister. Hello, everyone. What you're about to hear is a pretty neat story, and it's happening as we speak. If the upcoming episode just isn't enough, shoot me an email, ben at mtnmeister.com. We have some extra content. I'll send it over to you. And while you're at it, please go to iTunes and drop us a rating and review. That helps us out. Thanks. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Mountain Meister. This is Ben, your host. And with us today, we have Jeffrey James Binney. Hello, Jeffrey. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's, it's Jeffrey, not Jeff, right? Well, I'll answer to to most things, but uh, it is Jeffrey. Jeffrey, okay. If you don't know Jeffrey already, for the listeners, he is currently training for the Leadville 100 on Saturday, August 22nd. And on Mountain Meister, this is typically something we'd expect to hear, but Jeffrey's background is anything but typical. Jeffrey grew up on a pig farm in Missouri and is now a comedian based out of Los Angeles. A little more than three years ago, he lost his mom to obesity, and he himself weighed over 340 pounds at his heaviest. He has now lost over 100 pounds and is in the process of creating a hybrid comedy documentary about this whole journey in the Leadville 100 called Once is Enough. Jeffrey James Binney, congratulations on the journey thus far. Welcome to Mountain Meister. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. So you grew up on a pig farm. I grew up on a llama farm. <laughs> what? Yeah. I think that definitely tops my pig farm. Where? Where does one grow up on a llama farm? It's about an hour outside of uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with llamas after you raise them? Right, right. That, that's like always the question that we get. And we actually we had a lot of llamas. At one point, uh, 36, I think, was our, our max. Wow. But they were kept mostly as pets, to be completely honest. Huh. Like for for your family or you would sell them? Yeah, it, it kind of got out of control. Uh, so, <laughs> so, you know, we had like 10 as pets and then they started to multiply. Sure. Uh, yeah, they'll do that. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we thought, well, yeah, maybe we could sell some. Uh, not really for a profit, just as a hobby. And yeah, llama farms, I don't think are too profitable in general. Yeah. Well, if I wanted to have some llamas for pets, though, I think like 37 is probably the, the sweet spot. That's right. Definitely the number I'd want. <laughs> one, at least one out of the 37 has to be friendly, right? Like, yeah, you know, obviously. Um, did you help out on the pig farm as a kid? Uh, as little as possible. I absolutely hated it. I really, really, I really hated it. Mm-hmm. Why? <laughs> I, know, I was... Um, I think it's because, you know, the only time my, like my dad really needed my help was when it was, uh, like time to like process the hogs, like, um, you know, like do the vaccinations or castrate them, Mm. uh, none of which were pleasant experiences. And, you know, I, I didn't know it at the time, but my little, you know, hippie vegan self, uh, was really, 
turned off by that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I wanted to name the pigs. I couldn't imagine why he would sell them. You know, I was just like the worst pig farmer's son ever. <laughs> As I mentioned, I'm vegan now. <laughs> so, so vegan son of a pig farmer. Uh, you're, yeah. a, you're a comedian as well. Uh, occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> um, so where, where did this idea come about to run an ultra? It was a, a wild departure from who I uh, once was uh, growing up. You know, I like I played basketball in middle school and I hated it. I played f- football in middle school and I hated it. I was never, ever an athlete. I took tap dance classes and <laughs> loved it. <laughs> but aside from that, I was just the least active person. I, in seventh grade, uh, my coach took me out of the game at one point because I was I had such a bad attitude. I would not even run up and down the court. I would just kind of saunter along. He took me out of the game. And he said, Jeffrey, you're staying on the bench until you let me know that you want to play basketball. And I didn't want to play basketball. So I sat there the rest of the game in silence. Oh, my mom was so, so furious. <laughs> but anyway, I was not an athlete at all. Um, and uh, my family, you know, we... I grew up on a farm and we, we eat well. My mom was a master in the kitchen and, uh, you know, I got to 27 years old and I was 340 pounds, completely, completely inactive. And, uh, my mom passed away, um, from heart disease, but she, she was, you know, suffering from multiple obesity caused issues. She had severe diabetes, um, heart failure, you know, everything that comes, comes along with, you know, inactivity and obesity. And so it kind of, um, you know, it kind of set off a light bulb for me. Uh, she was only 58 years old and, you know, it just made me realize that that that's obviously not what I want and that it would be difficult, but worth it to, you know, get my, I don't, can I curse on here <laughs> to get my crap together? How about that? Um, so, you know, she was in the ICU at the end for three months and, um, you know, we had a hotel room nearby, but I just didn't feel comfortable really leaving her overnight by herself. So I would sleep in the, the ICU waiting room at night. And I just got to the point where I was, I was just like going crazy, uh, living in a hospital. And I literally went out and bought a pair of running shoes and some shorts. And I went and found a a state park and I just started running. (laughs) I literally just in a fury drove to the woods and it was amazing. It was so, it was so, it was so wonderful. I was away from people. It was beautiful. The, you know, just getting that much anxious energy out was, was incredible. And, you know, at the time I had no idea that it was going to be the start of an addiction. Um, but that's really what it has, has turned out to be a very healthy addiction. Running is, it's so therapeutic. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, uh, I'm not a I'm not an iPod kind of guy when I run. I don't I don't like to listen to music. Like I like I like the silence. Like even on like super long runs, I love just just chilling with myself for seven hours on the trail. That's that's how I like it. I get I get all my my best thoughts thunk while I'm out there, uh-huh. and I come back and I'm cleared in the mind and and ready ready to go. Exactly my feeling as well. I I don't put in headphones. I like to kind of bare bones it. 
when I run, I think of so many different things. Like I get a lot of ideas for the podcast while I'm running. Uh, I'm wondering if you get your comedic material from when you're running too. Yeah, absolutely. And and actually the the whole idea for this entire uh, film <laughs> came about while I was running. Mm-hmm. I uh you know, uh, while my mom was was ill, I was I was living in New York City at the time and you know, things were kind of starting to happen career-wise and I ended up coming back to Missouri to help take care of her and I was gone for basically a year and nothing puts the brakes on a acting career yeah. like disappearing from civilization for a year. So I, I got back. I decided to move to the West Coast. Um, and, you know, things were just going really slowly career-wise. And I was at the point where I just wanted to be in the woods all the time. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I've got to figure out a way to uh, to reconcile my my desire to keep myself secluded in the woods and my desire to be creating uh, comedy. And I, I thought, what about... <sighs> I know it's ridiculous, but what if I tried to run a 100 mile ultra marathon and then I did a, uh, a show about it? Um, you know, as a, as a, a comedy writer, there's nothing better for the writing process than having, uh, some sort of really interesting, abnormal experience to write about. <laughs> and so it sounded like, like the perfect storm. And then I mentioned it to a couple friends and they're like, yes, absolutely. But you have to, you have to make a film of the process. You have to document this. And so I started uh, trying to figure out how it could work, if it could work. I started reaching out to people in the industry that I knew to kind of start compiling a team to help kind of getting, get, you know, get our thoughts together. And, um, and so our thoughts are together and we, uh, we just launched our, our crowdfunding campaign and we're, we're finally, finally getting rolling. And um, so, yes, absolutely, I guess this is the very long-winded <laughs> answer to the question is I do tons of thinking, especially creatively. And you have this footage uh, during like a 10-minute video that you have on the Indiegogo page. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's some footage of you running, of you talking while you're running. Those are my favorite because sometimes the thoughts that you have while running are like very deep or creative or depressing or really happy. Like there's a whole gamut of emotions. Uh, So I really like how you you have that footage of while you're running. Yeah. I mean, we we feel like that's – that's where the most interesting stuff happens. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's one of our logistical challenges at Leadville is, you know, it'd be great to have cameras at all of the aid stations, but the chances that, you know, my <laughs> physical or emotional breakdown happens at the aid station <laughs> is probably not that good. Right. It's probably going to happen, you know, halfway up Hope's Pass. And so we're really, we've really got a challenge on our hands of figuring out how to get really high quality footage in between all of those aid stations, because I agree that's when that's when it happens and it's so much more effective to have a camera in my face while I'm while I'm in tears thinking I can't move anymore than it is for me to you know recount the experience at the aid station so I'm glad you said that actually I had a really really terrible run yesterday and luckily (laughs) luckily I had my camera with me and I whipped it out and it's so fascinating to me how how silly and emotional I get at times while I'm running. I mean, I, I was really, really roughing myself up yesterday over quitting my long run early, like nearly in tears. And you know, I, I got back to my Jeep and had a cliff bar and I was fine. And I was like, was I seriously just crying out there in the middle of the woods? <laughs> but I was, I was. So let's, 
let's talk about your journey thus far. If we rewind when you, when you started running, how far could you go and what was your pace? And then let's talk about how you've progressed month by month. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when I first started, I, uh, I don't know, the first, well, that first time doesn't really count because I had so much pent up energy and angst that I, I probably ran a couple miles. But on a normal day, I could have gone maybe a half mile, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Um, and that's at turtle pace, you know, that's at like, <laughs> I don't know, a 18 minute miles. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and I set a ridiculous goal of going from the sofa to a 20 mile in Kansas city, the, uh, the psycho Waco. Um, I was not, I was not prepared for it. Uh, my mom had just passed away three weeks before, but I, I decided to do it anyway. And uh, it was miserable. It was February in, in Kansas City. The temperature was 17 degrees. Um, and I I was last. I was like with like way last. Like <laughs> I wasn't even close to the next person. I got to the finish line and my, my sister was panicking. She'd talked to the race directors and she was like, hey, my, my brother hasn't come in yet. Like, are you on track of him? And they were like, oh, no, no, no. All the 20 milers are definitely in. Then they realized I wasn't oh. and they were about 10 minutes off from, you know, like kind of starting to sound the alarm and figure out where that chubby dude was. <laughs> and then I came rolling in um, and it was it was awful, but it was incredible. You know, it was at that point the hardest thing I had ever done. And my pace was, I don't know, 19 minute miles probably. But it was it was incredible and I was I was hooked. I knew I knew that I wanted to do another one almost immediately. So So where are you now, would you say? So I just did my first fifty miler wow. uh, in December. I did the the North Face Endurance Challenge in mm-hmm. San Francisco. And it was incredible. It was it was really really hard, but it uh, maybe I got lucky and had a good race. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going mm-hmm. to be. You know, I really thought there would be at least one point in the race where I would contemplate quitting or would just really really be in a bad place. And it never it never happened. Um, I'm slow. I just I am, mm-hmm. and you know I'll probably never be fast. But uh, that's my biggest challenge right now is is those those nasty cutoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, Hard Rock is a, a what thirty hour cutoff, or sorry, yeah, Le- Leadville, Leadville. Yeah, 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 thirty hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it's just not, it's not just the the finishing cutoff. I mean, it's this the cut cutoffs at, at I think every aid station mm-hmm. except for the first one. So um, that's a you know that's a pretty pretty burly beast to be following you down the trail the whole way. And that's really my goal with my trainer right now is to get a little bit more wiggle room between me and the cutoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, in in San Francisco at the North Space Endurance Challenge, I uh, well I would have missed the cutoff by two minutes, um, but it was the conditions were uh, really really terrible this year. It was excessively muddy, and so they ended up uh, they they gave everyone a little grace time. They gave everyone wow. a few more seconds per minute. So I ended up still you know right at the cutoff, but I ended up making it. But you know that's a really that's a really rough. Uh, thing to wrap your head around you know I was coming in I was coming in for the last three miles and I knew that it was going to be very 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 close and my last three miles were actually the fastest three miles of my whole my whole run that really? day really yeah be, well, they were downhill so there's that but I mean <laughs> even compared to all my other downhills mm-hmm. of, of the day they were <clears throat> without question uh, the fastest because I 
you know, I knew how close it was going to be and like how, how frustrating to finish your first 50 miler and roll in two minutes after the cutoff. I mean, I guess the only thing worse would be one minute or 30 seconds, but I knew how close it was going to be. And, and you know, I was, I was coming around the corner and I was, I was no less elated because I was, you know, just so stoked that I had finished. And you know what? Two minutes, like, that's no big deal. Like, you know, all this stuff is rolling through my head as I'm walking up. I'm like, I'm still excited. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a negative Nancy about this. This is still awesome. I'm finishing. I'm still super pumped. And then I crossed the line and, and found out that they actually had a, it gave everyone some extra time. And so uh, it ended up being uh, double, uh, double is good, but I, approached the finish line, you know, deciding that it was okay. It was okay that I came in two minutes past. We hear a lot of ultra marathoners say that the more important part of the race is your your mental approach rather than your physical fitness. While the physical fitness is obviously important, it sounds to me like you really have the mental strength locked down. Like if we go back to that 20 miler, like not worrying that you're going to be last, just keep going and going and going. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I don't I don't remember who it was that said it or where I read it, but I remember when I first heard that the key to ultra running was was experiencing pain and making the choice to keep moving despite despite the pain. Um and that was kind of that was kind of a I don't know, a light bulb went off for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, what does happen?" I always, you know, I always quit when it gets really bad. I mean, as most people would. But what what happens if I don't? Uh, it turns out a lot of times it goes away. It, it, a lot of times it gets better. Um, and, you know, I find that for me, my emotional state on the trail is really closely uh, tied to my physical state. Um, I, I don't know if it's, if it's blood sugar or what it is, but um, my mind really starts to go south. Uh, when I, when I need nutrition, when I need to eat. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of difficulty focusing on the trail. You know, I, I mentioned that I don't like to listen to music and I just like to like let my mind wander, but the, which is great. But the downside of that is that while my mind is wandering, I forget to drink, mm. <laughs> I forget to eat. Um, and, and I, it really affects, it really affects where I'm at mentally. Um, and you know, yesterday I already know this, it's just so hard to, it's so hard to, to think about it in the moment when you're in those hyper emotional states. But I, you know, yesterday I, I should have had a cliff bar and I bet in 20 minutes I would have been a completely different guy, mm-hmm. but I was close to my Jeep. <laughs> I didn't want to keep running. I was tired and I, you know, I get, I gave up yesterday. Let's keep talking about uh, diet and nutrition. Uh, we don't actually talk about th- uh, those sorts of things a lot on the show, but it's so relevant here. You said you're a vegan earlier. How did you decide and when did you decide to go vegan? Well, I went vegetarian first, maybe, oh, I think it was a little over six years ago. And it actually started as a dare. I had a friend in college who knew that I grew up on a pig farm and <laughs> He was a super vegan and I didn't really have an opinion on it, but he, he knew that my dad was a pig farmer and he just, he loved to engage me in, well, arguments is what they were. And, and he was easily riled up. And so we used to just, I used to have so much fun just messing with him. Uh, and one day he said, well, I, I bet you can't do the PETA 30 day challenge. And I was like, okay, what's the PETA 30 day challenge? And, uh, you know, it's going vegetarian for 30 days. And I was like, well, I definitely can do that. So I, I did it. And in the process of doing it. I, I did my research to make sure I was doing it healthfully. And, you know, the more research I did, the more I was like, you know what? I don't know. Maybe, 
this actually kind of makes makes sense for me, you know. <laughs> I never wanted to go hunting with my dad as a kid. I had, you know, 13 cats. Uh, it all kind of makes sense. Like maybe I maybe I actually uh, like would prefer to be vegetarian. So it started with that and I went vegetarian and then that led to me pursuing the same knowledge but in a more general nutrition <clears throat> sense and once I learned what was really in a beet, I was so much more excited to eat it because I knew what it could do for me. And and so that's really the beginning process for me. Then uh, two years ago, I moved to Los Angeles and uh, I decided to give vegan a go. I was like, you know, I'm going to do it for one year and see how it goes. And it was definitely a lot harder. Uh, vegetarian wasn't that big of a difficulty for me, but vegan... If anyone tells you switching to vegan isn't isn't hard, they're, they're well, they're lying to you <laughs> because it is it is tricky. Uh, it's certainly not impossible, but it is is definitely more difficult, uh, uh, especially for a runner. Which right. it's still weird for me to call myself a runner. I guess I'm a runner. Uh, it's you know it's even more difficult. Um, you know the protein thing. How much protein do we need? Like I I, I get plenty of protein, um, but just to to feel, uh, especially since I've started training for, for ultras, uh, you know, if I'm not really careful with my nu- nutrition, I just have an overall sense of fatigue. Mm-hmm. And it's really important to keep myself fueled. Um, but also, I'm, I still have a ways to go in the, in the belly department. You know, <laughs> I've lost just over 100 pounds, but I have a few more to lose. And so that's a tricky tightrope to walk, you know, like losing weight. But I, you know, I can't, I can't have too much of a calorie deficiency because I have to I have to run 23 miles tomorrow and 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 so it's really been uh I don't know it's been a challenge but you know I obviously I feel better than I've ever felt in my entire life the belly department <laughs> coming up on Mountain Meister uh, yeah no it blows my mind first of all I would never I would never voluntarily put myself in a situation where I was running with him. It would be so embarrassing. I think I probably would never run again. But first, a word from one of our sponsors, Champion Sport Extreme. I spoke with Steve McSherry about the company and compression. Compression in general is uh, used to increase blood flow in the lower legs. Our cardiovascular system being a closed-loop system, blood that pumps from the heart has to return back. And obviously, with gravity, uh, that blood is, is, is forced to the lower extremities where pooling can occur, which can lead to leg fatigue or swelling of the lower leg. So what compression really does is it squeezes those lower muscles in the foot and in the lower calf and upwards toward the leg, and it forces that blood flow back up to the heart where it can get more oxygen and pump to those body parts that you need it to be pumped to. So, Steve, Champion Sport Extreme. Some of our listeners may not have heard of this brand in particular. Tell us a little bit about the brand. Well, we're a new brand to the marketplace. Um, Although we are a new brand, our umbrella company called Surgical Appliance Industries, SAI for short, we've been in business for over 120 years manufacturing orthopedic braces and supports. And CSX is an offshoot of SAI. So although we're a new brand, we have deep roots in the medical compression industry. And uh, we've carried that expertise from the 30 plus years that we've been manufacturing 
medical grade compression into a sports sock and then adding all the extra features and benefits that the sock has. Looking at some of the, the different features you have, I would feel like I'm a machine putting these on. Uh, we have V-Guard shin protection. What does V-Guard shin protection do? Well, what V-Guard shin splint protection does is um, it keeps the calf. There's a d- direct correlation between uh, shin splints and the calf muscle. And due to impact sports, running, for example, or, or you know even hiking on a mountain trail, the calf oscillation is uh, really extreme and can be at points. So what our sock does is it cradles the calf muscle very, very nicely in order to prevent that calf muscle from oscillating too much. If it does oscillate too much, you can get minor tears, which can lead to shin splints at the front of the leg. Mm. And the weave in our sock is a little bit different. So not only do we cradle the calf muscle in order to prevent that oscillation, but on the front of the sock, we also keep the shin very, very tight and protected in order to prevent other oscillation that will affect um, the muscles around the shin. For 50-5-0% off of your entire purchase at csxchampion.com, type in the code MEISTER, M-E-I-S-T-E-R, at checkout. 50% off compression socks and everything else they have. Steve, thanks for that great deal. Oh, it's my pleasure and great to talk to you. So your coach is yeah. Ian Sharman. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> many of our listeners probably know who Ian is, uh, or at least anybody who's familiar with the ultra world. Uh, he won Leadville in 2013, I believe. Uh, how is that going? I mean, I assume this is your first running coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely is. It's amazing. I mean, it's awesome. I just, you know, he's in San Francisco and I'm in Los Angeles, and so we do all of our meetings via Skype. And every time his face pops up, I just like chuckle inside because it just feels so ridiculous to be <laughs> to be talking to him uh, and and to know that he's spending any time thinking about what this like chubby ginger should be doing. And it's just it's a little surreal at times, but it's incredible. I mean, he is. Uh, you know, when I first approached him, I wasn't even sure he'd be down for the challenge. I mean, you know, he he coaches some like, amazing athletes, but he was he was so stoked. He was ready to dive in <laughs> head first, and he's 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 amazing. He's so he's so centered. I don't I don't know if 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 you've ever had a chance to chat with him or anything, but he he's always he's always an, an even keel. You know, when when things are going really well for me, he's he's Ian. When things are going really bad, he's still the same the same mm-hmm. Ian. Uh, when I tell him I missed three of my runs during the week, he's still he's still the same like grounded flatline Ian, uh, and it's really nice to have that consistency. And yeah. not to mention, you know his 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 expertise. I mean, it you know it it doesn't get much better than 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 Ian Sharman. And honestly, you know, I mean, he he has a similar story. I mean, not that he was ever on the sofa at 340 pounds, but he has not always been uh, an endurance athlete. It was something that happened for him a little later in life too. Mm. So granted, I'm starting a little further back than him and you know, I'm not really giving myself the goal of, of winning any races. It's still nice to know that he's, you know, he's gone through all the same, all the same things that I'm going through, you know, ironing yeah. out nutrition and, and all of that stuff. So, <clears throat> um, 
you know, in, in addition to his to his knowledge, just his personality and support and just the way uh, he he handles things is also just priceless. <laughs> Can you have you ever run with him? No. Oh, no, no. Well, I'm just wondering, like, how <laughs> incredible or maybe depressing, I don't know, it would be to run with him. Because sometimes when I'm running in Boston, like along the Charles or the, mm-hmm. the Charles, as they call it in Boston, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll see a lot of the, the college runners, like from uh, Boston University or, uh-huh. or Harvard, MIT. There are a lot of colleges around that area. And when they run by me, it's just like like I don't understand how a body can move like that. Like they look like an antelope. Uh, yeah, no, it blows my mind. I I first of all, I would never I would never voluntarily put my, myself in a situation where I was running with him. It would be so embarrassing. I think I probably would never run again. I mean, maybe if he was going for like a stroll, I might like run with him. Uh, but uh no, I would never. Um but yeah, you know, we were talking about downhilling the other day. I have a, I have a, I've taken some tumbles. <laughs> All right, <laughs> I have taken some really rough tumbles while downhilling, and I'm terrified of it. And I downhill with my brakes on the whole time, and it just, you know, it's, it kills my legs on the downhills. And so we were just talking about how, he, you know, he, he was he was just saying that you really need to to let loose. You need to feel a little out of control, and so I. I, I I tried that this weekend and I felt really good about it. And then I happened to run across a video of him. I think he posted it on Instagram of him downhilling and he looks out of control. It looks absolutely terrifying. And he's flying down this hill. At like, I don't know, six and a half minutes a mile. And I thought my like downhilling at, at, at 12 minutes was, was awesome. And so, you know, I see that and I'm just like, wow, I, I have so far to go. And I, I don't even know that I could ever get there. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's nice to, to have like <laughs> perfection to, to look at, you know, and I'm not somebody who, um, you know, I'm fine being at the back of the pack. I'm fine rolling in right before the cutoff. Um, so I, I'm not, I'm not someone who feels like they always have to win. So I can watch him and, you know, just be inspired and just right, watch not be him jealous, in awe. Right? not be jealous <laughs> or like, Oh, I have to do that. Right. Um, and, and so that's nice, you know, just to have someone who is, is so supportive, who is, you know, not, he's also like not at all judgmental. I mean, so many, so many endurance athletes at his level who could have potentially coached me could be, you know, condescending, could be secretly rolling their eyes at my 15 minute miles. And he's not, he's so stoked. Like if I, if I, well, you know, when I cut 10 seconds off of my, my, my my long run last week he was so excited um mm-hmm. and so you know he's just he's just super approachable which was really important to me because you know i don't i, I put my myself through the ringer enough i don't need <laughs> i don't need somebody else uh, uh judging me i guess uh from coaching to gear we like to get a gear recommendation from everybody that we have on the show uh jeffrey what would you recommend what item of gear would you recommend mm-hmm. for our listeners you know, for me, uh, I got a uh, a new running vest, a Nathan uh, Vapor Wrap uh, hydration vest, right before my fifty miler, which was a bad idea <laughs> to switch out gear right before, but ended up working out really, really well. Just because I I'm so slow that I'm out for a long time uh, without being able to grab water or food, and 
uh, I went from a really, really minimal hydration pack to, to this bad boy. <laughs> this thing has pockets for days. And so it's really, it really changed my nu- nutrition game because I could really pack on the stuff. And, you know, I have, 50 extra pounds on my body. So, you know, another 16 ounces in my pockets (laughs) doesn't, doesn't slow me down too much. So I really, I really like it. I know a lot of people like to go more minimal, but I, I just, I'm out so long that I'd rather have some extra weight and just fill my pockets with all the nutrition I can. Very great. The Nathan running vest on Jeffrey's Meister profile page on our website, mtnmeister.com. Uh, just to rewind back to kind of this journey thus far, on the uh, the crowdfunding page, you have a 10-minute video, and in that 10-minute video, which gives a great kind of overview of what you're doing here, there is one kind of emotional part where you talk about your mom, and you say, you know, like the doctors told her that her condition was changeable, like she had to lose weight and change her lifestyle, but right. in the end, she couldn't do it. Uh, it was just too hard. What has been the hardest part for you thus far? Um, Well, you know, just when you bring that up, you know, like uh, I really wish I wish that I would have discovered this new lifestyle in time to to help her. (laughs) I wish, you know, I wish that instead of it, instead of, you know, her passing being the impetus, I really wish that I knew what I know now about nutrition and exercise. I really wish I would have learned it, you know, 10, 15 years earlier, because I really think I could have helped her out a lot, a lot more than, than she was able to help herself. You know, it's so ingrained in the lifestyle, uh, you know, that rural Midwestern lifestyle of casseroles and fried chicken. And it's, you know, you say like, oh, you know, just, just lose some weight, just change your eating. But it's so ingrained in the culture and, 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 and how, how we do things that it's, it's, it's a, it's a really tall order. And, uh, you know, she just couldn't, and, and also exercise. Exercise is not, it's not ingrained in our culture. You know, I moved to the West Coast and everyone's out hiking all the time. Oh, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I went on a hike with my grandma. And we just, that's not how, that's not how we roll in Missouri on the farm. And so, yeah, she just, she just, she just couldn't, she couldn't do it. Um, so, you know, I guess, I guess that, you know, that's, that's really one of my, you know, biggest wishes that <laughs> will never come true, but I really wish I could have shared with her what I, what I know now. Yeah. Well, it may not come true, uh, for what already happened, but going forward, especially with you creating the film, that's sure what we're hoping. Inspire. Yeah. Well, that's what we're, that's what we're hoping for. Um, but you know, the, the film isn't just about ultra running. The film is, is about inspiring people to find, um, to find their, to their Leadville, you know, there's, there's something incredible, you know, uh, we're only here on earth for so long <laughs> as cliche as it is. Uh, you know, we really, I, I'm, I'm learning to take, take advantage of, of, of the time that I have. So also, um, during the, the length of the, the campaign, anyone who uses the hashtag find your incredible on Instagram or Twitter will be, uh, entered in a drawing for a $250 REI gift card. Uh, so use, uh, use find your incredible and tell us, tell us what you're up to. We will have highlights of this whole episode on our website, mtnmeister.com. Running is generally a cheap sport, uh, but making a movie about the whole thing isn't cheap at all. Uh, People can check out the Indiegogo page uh, where you're raising for Once is Enough or go to onceisenoughfilm.com. To wrap things up, 
we'd like to see who you'd like to see as the next Mountain Meister. Uh, do they have to be living? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Oh, no. no. <laughs> Who, oh, who's the man. dead person you were going to recommend? Well, it was two. I was going to say Lewis and Clark. I've had a really weird fascination <laughs> with them since I was a little kid. And like, <laughs> as silly as it is, they've definitely instilled a sense of adventure in me. And while I'm on groom trails, I know where I'm going and I know where I'm finishing. Uh, I don't know. That's really like, I think that's that's why I love ultra running is because it feels like an adventure every time, you know? Um, so Lewis and Clark, they would be, gosh, wouldn't they be a good be get yeah. good get for your podcast? <laughs> um, oh, man. We can do Ian Sharman. Yeah, I think that's probably a great a great idea. He, he he's a really interesting guy. Uh, he's he's British, so you know he's fancy, and he his advice is always sage advice, and it's always given. Um, Oh, it sounds corny, but from the heart, like he's always very sincere. And I think if anyone can can get him to, uh, you know, chat them up and share his thoughts, they're always priceless. For the listeners, keep an eye out for either Lewis and Clark or Ian Sharman <laughs> on a future yeah. episode of Mountain Meister. Yeah. Jeffrey James Binney, thank you so much for joining no, us. Oh, thank you for having me. It was a blast. Highlights of today's episode on our website, mtnmeister.com. Thanks, Jeffrey. Yep, thank you. Take care. Hey, Meister fans. Thanks for listening to that episode with Jeffrey James Binney, number 119. That's a whole lot of podcasts. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps other people discover this show so they can enjoy it as much as you can. We have incredible deals on our website that you should absolutely take advantage of, including 50% off of Champion Sport Extreme, compression socks, and everything else in their online store. Go to the deals section on our website to find out more. And finally, as usual, enjoy doing the rest of whatever you do when you listen to Mountain Meister. I'm the host, Ben Shank, and thank you for listening.